Hello and welcome to Don't Pee on Your Leg and Other Scientific Misconceptions, where every episode we discuss some scientific misconceptions and we hope that you learn something you didn't already know about the world. I'm here with my co-host, Camden, quarantine buddy Hanslick Burton. And joining me is my co-host, Margaret. Oh, her? That's my colleague, Hanslick Burton. (laughs) Welcome Welcome to to the the show. show! Every week is where we share something that we're excited about. Um, Of course, if you're listening to this in the future, um, just know that we are still under quarantine, which is fine. That's fine. I respect boundaries for the purposes of flattening the curve. What day is it though, Camden? 62. 62 days. Not that I'm counting. 62 days. So there's not a lot that we're going... We're not really going, we're not, we're not going out and about and doing exciting things. So it's all got to be within the confines of our own home. So Kim, and what are you excited about that you've done? You know how when you put a little bit of flour mm-hmm. and a little bit of yeast together, mm-hmm. you let those sit for a while, mm-hmm. they become little friends. Yeah. And then you make sure they had water or it won't <laughs> do much. Then they sit, become friends and they get all kind of funky because they're fermenting. And then you're like, I'm just going to see what happens if I add a ton of flour to mm-hmm. it and then bake it. Mm-hmm. I made sourdough for the first time. Yay. Um, is, yeah. it, is it a friend when the yeast kind of eats the flour and the water? I think it's fine because it's a friend because I didn't like pit it against another living thing. I guess that's true. And then I baked it. Yeah. So I baked my friend. Yeah. And then it became a tasty friend. <laughs> um. So I don't know what to do with that. Yeah, Camden made an amazing two loaves of sourdough for the very first time. It's easy to make two doughs when you don't realize the recipe (laughs) is for two doughs. Yeah. Um, I'll go ahead and say I lied to you, Camden. My excitement is that you've been making a lot of baked goods. Oh, you lied? Yeah, I lied. I just asked her before this (laughs) if we had the same one. She said no. No, I am just excited about it. Camden's been making... You made two different kinds of bread this week, the sourdough and then the sandwich dough or the sandwich bread. Um, and then you... We, we bake the bread. We bake the bread. It's not just dough. We call it dough, but... Sourdough bread, sandwich bread. And then we also, you just, you're working on some sourdough crackers yep. with the sourdough starter discard that we have this week. So. Yeah, because I hated, after a week of throwing away discard, I hated doing that. So I'm trying to figure out... Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great time to get into baking because you're home, but mm-hmm. it's a terrible time because nobody wants to sell you flour. No. Well, they might want to, but they don't have it. <laughs> yeah. It's a hot commodity, but I've been loving all the carbs. We also made our own pasta this week. Oh yeah. We did make our own pasta. Oh my gosh. It's just been carb heaven and yeah. I don't care. It's time for comfort food and you've been doing a great job. Well, it's not like you can really binge eat when you're trying to ration all the food you have. <laughs> no. So. No. Carbo yeah. load if you can. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, yeah. So we're both pretty much excited about the same thing, which is baking, which I realize everyone's getting into, but I don't yeah. care. Well, more, bakers. more bakers, the better. Yes. Well, with that, let's head into the main segment of the show, which of course are the misconceptions. So 
Every week, we bring a new scientific misconception to share, explain, and discuss. And as a note, each of us, we research our own misconception, and then we bring it to our recording so the other person has not heard it before. Sometimes we'll give each other like a, a clue word just to make sure we're not doing it, doing the same one. Um, and this is just so that it's more of a discussion and the other person can learn along with you, the listener. As a point about the clue word, as of yet, as a peek behind the scenes, which mm-hmm. I love to do, mm-hmm. Margaret and I have never said, we've said words that scared us, but we've never actually been researching the same one before. Yeah. However, there, the day will come. The day will come. The day definitely will come. However, we have found a new use for it that on episode 34, that means there has been at least 68 misconceptions plus extras from our fun guests. So we've mm-hmm. had over 70 plus misconceptions. And we're not running out anytime soon. We're not running out. And it is hard to remember all 70. Uh, we have a spreadsheet mm-hmm. that we can reshare sometime. We've shared it before. It's not private. Yeah. But it's for you all to know what we've done. But it is definitely helpful for us. A couple times I have told Margaret that I'm going to do a thing. And then she'll go, well, as long as it's not that you only use 10% of your brain, I go, what do you mean? <laughs> And then I find out that we have done We've that. We've already done that one, yeah. Usually it's because the other person did it and that person, so... I, I will yeah. say I um, was proud of us because I've been listening to a lot of old episodes of My Favorite Murder, the true crime podcast, because I've listened to them all and I'm just starting at the beginning again because I've got nothing but time. And I think in episode like 25, 30... It takes them that long to realize they should keep a spreadsheet of the murders they've done to make sure that they don't repeat them. Murders they've covered. Murder, sorry, murders they've covered. Really good distinction. My favorite murder. It, uh, that a I've podcast, learned about. <laughs> a podcast where we murder someone then discuss how to go. <laughs> no, no, no. So they, But it took them like 30 episodes to realize that they should create a spreadsheet to oh. keep track. So I thought, hey... We are well on our way to their to, level of stardom. Let's hope so. Although <laughs> I'm impressed that they, yeah, that they needed to wait that long. Mm-hmm. I think after episode 15, I was like, I don't know what we did. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, like I said, the list isn't running out, but still good to keep track. Um, well, with that, I think we're going to need to flip a coin or whatever material we have around to see who goes first. Should I just look up Spin the... the bottle. Spin the bottle. Oh, okay. So we're in our kitchen and we have these little decorative bottles. You can hear. Um, what if it doesn't? I'm gonna put it on the table. What if it doesn't point to either of us? Whoever's closest to goes first. Yes. Okay. I'm gonna spin it. Please don't let it break. Hmm. <laughs> that wasn't a fault. Does that need to go all the yeah, way? Yeah. Just protect it. Okay. I'm not gonna let it fall off. I'm gonna count that as me. All right. So here we go. Um. This is a misconception that I got from Mythbusters. Ironically, I didn't use them as a source in this. I feel like there are so many things that we get from Mythbusters Mm -hmm. a little bit, but I'm impressed that we rarely ever quote them because I try not to just share something that you could have easily found in one place. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I was looking at a list. It wasn't, I wasn't even looking for a misconception for this week, but I just happened upon that this one and I thought, oh, that's a really good one that I forget about sometimes. The other reason I thought of this myth um, is because of The Office, which I think we've mentioned before. We watch constantly. 
And a healthy amount. Um, there is an episode called Business Ethics. Remember, Holly mm. comes in. She does her. Um, oh, I was thinking Mythbusters for a second. Ethical. 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 Anyway, um, so <laughs> Jim starts keeping track of the time that Dwight uses, and because uh, Dwight claims he he uses all his time effectively, that he never wastes time at the office. And so Jim starts keeping track, and Jim says, quote, at 12.45 he sneezed while keeping his eyes open, which I always thought was impossible. Okay. So that's my misconception. That Dwight... No, 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 no. That you can't sneeze with your eyes open. <sighs> now, there are some... There's kind of a range of what people think will happen if you do sneeze with your eyes open, like your Can eyes. Sh- will- oh, go ahead. Sorry, sorry, sorry. sorry Pop sorry. out. Yep. Uh huh. That your heart will stop. Sure, we're not really covering that one, but yeah. That your nose it's, will. No, it's mostly the eyes. The I was eyes gonna thing. say I've only heard the eyes one after I thought of it. <laughs> yeah, that your your eyes will pop out, or like your yeah, it's most. I guess it's mostly your eyes will pop out. Um, mostly as if there were other (laughs) more concerning things than if that's true. So first let's talk about maybe why we sneeze. Kim, and why do we sneeze? Um, Oh, that is a great question. Well, I can think of, I don't know physically what triggers us to sneeze. Oh, you'll learn. You'll learn. Because I don't have it for you. Um, I'm going to guess we do sneeze though too, because our nose like mucus catches a lot of things, debris, germs that we don't want in our body. Mm. So it's a great, it's a good reason to have it mm-hmm. in your nose. Um, that's why when you're sick, you're constantly like having a runny nose to get rid of all those germs and things oh. that might be hurting you. Uh-huh. And so sneezing is a way to like get it out. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're pretty close. So we, I mean, you are, you are spot on. It's just that I'll elaborate. So <laughs> you're not just like, all right, well, next no. misconception. All right. Um, your turn. So when we sneeze, we're getting rid of particles, like you said, in our nasal passages that could hurt us, like, um, or at least irritate us, like pollen, dust are very common reasons to sneeze. Um, You mentioned when you have a cold or when you're sick, you often sneeze when you have a cold, not necessarily because your body's trying to get rid of some harmful germs. It's more likely that it's because your nasal passages are swollen, and so they're a lot more sensitive to things that are... So I had a misconception. There you go. Learning every day. Well, thanks, Margaret. Well, okay. Still my turn, though. Oh, okay. Um, However, however, 25% of people sneeze for another reason. Can you think of why that is? I have a reason, but I feel like it's not a quarter of the people. Go ahead. I sneeze when I go out into the bright sun. Is that it? Bingo. Yep. So... Oh, I forgot to say my sources on this, first of all. Uh, Live Science and How Stuff Works. Thank you. Um, Please tell me you remember the name, because I always forget the name of what that's called. Oh, I remember it. Great. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. So 25% of people sneeze because it's bright outside. Oh, I'm so glad you're going to tell me why. Um, I always forget. This is a condition which... I guess you might have. I don't I don't feel like I notice it very much with you. When I go out in the yeah. sun. Oh, I do it every really? time. Okay. Every I know time. I know I do it and I know my dad does it, which makes sense because it's a genetic condition and it's called photic sneezing. Oh, that's way less hard to remember yeah. than I thought the word photic was. Photic sneezing. Yeah. So photic sneezing, like you kind of alluded to, happens to some people. Photic photo meaning light. Yeah. Okay. But it happens because the optic nerve and the nerve that controls when you sneeze, 
they're really closely grouped together or bundled up. And sometimes they get confused. And so the sunlight, I think in your optic nerve, like tricks your, um, sneeze related nerves to be like, Oh, I think we've got something here when you don't, it's just the sun. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, strange. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So photic sneezing, but yes, most people sneeze. I mean, people who photic sneeze also sneeze because they have irritants in their noses. Um, but how do we sneeze? You asked that question earlier. Well, sneezing is involuntary. Uh. Can't, well, you can make yourself sneeze if you put irritants in your mouth, but or in, in your nose, but you can't like will yourself sneeze, to sneeze. on command. Yeah, yeah. So anyone who <laughs> anyone who claims to go, like goes door to door saying for twenty dollars I'll, <laughs> I'll sneeze, sneeze on command. They're in this in this time period, salesman. call the cops. <laughs> call the cops. Um, but yeah, sneezing is involuntary, which is why, according to Assassin's Creed Odyssey, um, the Greeks took a sneeze to be a sign of like either approval or disapproval by like fate or the gods. Um, that's not from how stuff works. That's from my own video game, uh, experience. There's like, while you're waiting for the game to load, it gives you little facts like that. So wait, if you sneezed, Uh it might be that the gods are happy with you or Uh mad at you. I think. Isn't that always true? Situationally, it depends. I'm not sure. I was, I wasn't there. They didn't go into detail. Maybe it's a cut scene later. Anyway, sneezing involves most of your body. Um, from quote, (laughs) esophagus to sphincter, according to live science, including the muscles in your eyelids. So here's the sneezing process. An irritant touches your nasal lining. The nerves in your nasal lining tell the medulla, which is what? The part of your brain. Yep. The lower part of your brain that something's awry Then the brain triggers the body to sneeze, so the chest muscles expand. There's a contraction in your diaphragm, a contraction in the throat muscles and the vocal cords, and then the sneeze is expelled through your mouth and your nose, which I had not really thought about a sneeze being in your mouth, but it's very true. Yeah. Even though it starts because of something in your nose. That's why I always try to never sneeze with a toothpick in my mouth for fear of (laughs) lodging it in some unknown passenger by... Passerby. Is that why you never, I've never ever seen you with a toothpick in your mouth? I don't want to maim someone. Sure, sure, sure. sure. Um, people sneeze at about 10 miles an hour. Some <laughs> sources say up to 100. But Boy, that, that science was done pre-COVID. <laughs> yeah, yes. Um, also, a sneeze sends up to 5,000 saliva and mucus droplets through the air. So Some wear your rat. masks, everybody. God, wear poor. your masks. That's 5,000 little chances of getting something you don't want. Yep. Even in the best condition. So please, for the love of health and science, cover your nose, Dear, cover your mouth. Sneeze us. Please. Please protect us. <laughs> so going back to the, the original misconception. So why do we close our eyes when we sneeze? Thoughts? Oh. Oh, maybe it's like a shark. Mm. You know, when they close their eyes right before they bite, mm. there's some sort of like, not because I, when I sneeze, I'm ready to hurt to bite something, to bite someone, but more like maybe it's like part of like they close their eyes right before they bite to protect their eyeballs. Mm-hmm. Is there something there? 
Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, She's giving me that classic. Yeah. <laughs> so, again, just like the miles per hour that you see. You can tell me I'm wrong. Well, some people agree, would agree with you, but I kind of disagree with those people. Whoa. So, it's thought by some that closing your eyes protects you from the things that come out of your nose. But if you think about when you sneeze, I sneeze straight up. <laughs> most of us, all that, all those 5,000 mucus droplets are going away from your face. So it really wouldn't make sense to close your eyes to protect yourself from something that's not coming towards you. Oh, like that old saying, don't sneeze in the wind. Don't, I think it's don't spit into the wind. Anyway, I'll Google it. The, there probably, in all reality, is not a purpose to closing our huh. eyes when we sneeze. It's probably just an involuntary reaction. Like part of the muscles? Yeah, like a reflex. Exactly. Because, uh. um, again, it's going the other way. It doesn't really make sense. Um, so, just a reflex. Where did this myth start, though? So Before the Romans. Well. Oh. No. I mean, maybe, but... According to a New York Times article from 1882, um, which you can read if you subscribe to the New York Times. I don't, so I didn't. Um, Why are we quoting it? <laughs> allegedly, a woman dislocated her... <laughs> you didn't her... answer my question. How are you giving oh. this information? Oh, because another article quoted it. Oh, it's like, you're just going to blow past <laughs> I'm that? just going to make it up. No. Um, so allegedly, a woman, when she had a sneezing fit, she dislocated her eye. Sure. Sounds very painful. It is possible to dislocate your eye, but not because of sneezing. Fun fact, dislocating an eyeball in fancy scientific terms is called subluxation. Not a fan. Subluxation. Dislocating eyeball. I don't know if we're coming back to this, mm -hmm. but I have something to share about injuries while sneezing. Go ahead. As a fully healthy, functional 30-year-old <laughs> man, I have pulled a muscle sneezing before. What's that called? What muscle? In my back. What? That's, I think that's just... What's that called? It's genetic? It's just getting older. No, I think it's just getting older. Oh, God. Um, just always stretch before you sneeze. You know, just warm up. The end is nigh. <laughs> All right, go ahead. So, okay. Why isn't it true? Well, according to David... Sorry, according to Dr. David Huston, an associate dean at the Texas A&M College of Medicine... Go Aggies. <laughs> sure. You don't have to close your eyes when you sneeze, but it's hard not to do that. Your, eyeball, your eyeballs will not pop out if you manage to somehow keep them open. Here's the thing. You might have noticed our eyeballs are pretty securely attached to our heads, luckily. You know, I have not noticed that, but it makes sense. Because, and this is not to get graphic, but... Go for it. If your eyelids were the only thing keeping your eyes in their sockets, then like when you opened your eyes underwater, would your eyeballs just float away. It doesn't make sense. So or like when you're really startled and your yeah. eyes go ah. wide, you go, Oh yeah. <laughs> <That's a sound>. <laughs> <laughs> so the muscles that help you roll your eyes, let's do it now. Oh. I did my whole head. Um, they also are the muscles that keep your eyes in your head. Um, the muscles involved in eyeball attachment are the medial and lateral rectus superior and inferior inferior rectus and superior and inferior oblique. So there you go. Um, no, I never remember that. Sure. It's okay. Um, what can happen in a violent fit of sneezing is that pressure can build in your blood vessels, your capillaries, ah. not in your eyes themselves or in the muscles that keep them in your head. But in your eye blood. 
well, it could be in your eye. So you can break those, those capillaries, those small blood vessels in your eyes or around your, mm. like on your face um, because of that pressure. So that's possible, but those things should go away. Of course, see a doctor um, if you're concerned, but your eyeballs are if not going to fall from out. from your eyes. Sure, yeah. Ooh, go see a doctor right away. Um, and then just some, just some other thoughts to sum this up. Apparently people started saying God bless you after a sneeze in the middle ages because that's when colds and other minor illnesses could potentially be death sentences. So uh. they were like, good luck out there. God bless you. Seems like you're sneezing. Who boy. Um, yeah. Huh. I like that. Um, and I, I still don't know why some people's sneezes are louder than other people's. Um, citation, your father, my dad has a very loud sneeze, but other people have those like, hi David, like a little kitten, just a little tiny kitten sneezing. Um, and then some people sound like they're screaming when they sneeze. I don't know what that's all about. Um, but as you kind of touched on earlier, there are a, a few misconceptions about sneezing. So you might hear more about this in future episodes. Hmm. Thanks, Margaret. You are welcome and gazintite. Ah, and aloha to you. <laughs> uh, what do you have for us this week, Camden? Thanks. Well, I was so inspired by last week's uh, misconception from you about what frogs and warts. Oh, great. Yep. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. I forget often. <laughs> Two weeks ago was an eternity yeah. ago. Um. About frogs and toads and how you do not get warts through touching them. And I thought, I've got another froggy myth for you. Come in hot off the boilerplate. Oh, boy. Oh, no. Margaret? Start with a pun. We've got nowhere to go but up. Does a frog get used to boiling water if you put it in in room temperature water and slowly increase it? According to many analogies and metaphors, yes. Yes. So... I am bringing you that misconception from the theory that many people have heard. If you put a frog in boiling water, it will instantly leap out. But if you put it in warm water and just slowly, slowly, slowly turn up the heat, it will not notice. Mm -hmm. It'll stay in until it boils to death. Please don't do this. I know I'm a vegetarian, but just... First off, it's inhumane. That's why I've never... I don't get... I'm going to alienate some people, but like crab and lobster, that's basically what you're doing. And I just can't get behind it. Yeah. Can't get behind you it. You hear the popping of the oh, stop. heat inside oh, there. Anyway, stop. well, people <laughs> who are eating that food ought to know where it comes from. Very true. Very I true. I often got a lot of uh, weird looks from my biology students when I would explain to them how cows and pigs are turned into the food they eat. They did not like hearing it. But, but I often said, if you want to eat it, you ought to know where it comes from. Absolutely. And through that, I gained many a... <laughs> Evil glare. A, a loyal student. <laughs> yeah. um, Sorry. Anyway, frogs in water, in water, gradually turning up the heat. My Go citations are, the tale of the boiling frog from a PubMed editorial, Gizmodo, um, through one of their um, scientists or science... Com- whoa, words. Communication writers... Uh, Dr. Carl. Have you heard of Dr. Carl? No. I was like, I don't know who this Dr. Carl is. I checked his references. The guy is Australia's Bill Nye, essentially. Really? So Dr. Carl got us uh, covered this week. Um, Shout out to our 
loyal. Uh, <laughs> don't we need a term for people listening to this? Don't pee on your leggers down under. Yep. Down. Oh, we don't need to do an Australian accent, surely. Oh, I alienated that one we had. Um, And the Atlantic. So where did this misconception come from? Well, like you mentioned, it makes a lot of sense. Um, I mean, when on the surface, it sort of sounds like it should work. Yeah. I mean, if if I I think about myself like in the shower. Yeah. Or think about being outside. If you stepped outside right now. Okay. Okay. And it's like 60 degrees. And I increase the temperature one degree. Of the whole region? Yeah. One degree every hour. Uh Uh-huh. It would probably take you a while before you were like, is the temperature getting warmer? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. But if I sent you outside right now and it was 80. Gross. And for those who don't know, (laughs) in Seattle right now is a a beautiful 61 degrees. Which is my perfect temperature. You'll notice immediately and probably go, no, 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 no. Inside. Yeah. Yeah. Slam door, hide in an ice bath. Mm-hmm. Um, so where did this come from? Um, E.M. Scripture, who is a person. Oh, wrote okay. I thought in, we were getting religious. Yeah, I know. I thought it was his second until I read the book or the title of the book is called The New Psychology. In okay. 1897, E.M. Scripture wrote in German. Uh, a live frog can actually be boiled without a movement if the water is heated slowly enough. In one experiment, the temperature was raised at a rate of 0. 0.002 degrees Celsius, which is also 0. 0.00 something mm-hmm. degrees Fahrenheit, very tiny, yeah. per second. And the frog was found dead at the end of two hours without being moved. Lovely. <laughs> First off, yeah, not a great test. But I thought about that 0.002 a second Mm -hmm. times 60 to get us to a number per minute. That's still kind of fast. Am I wrong? It's actually 0.002. We can do this math live on air because that is what our uh, don't pee on your leggers have come to expect from us. (laughs) Live math? Live math. Here we go. Live math. No. Oh. We need like a segment intro. Oh, okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, Live math. Live math presented by math. Do you know how to type in numbers? 0.002 times 60 gives us 0.12 degrees Celsius per minute. Oh, that's not that bad. Times 60 gives us 7.2 degrees Celsius per hour. 60... Times 60, and he said over two hours gives us a little over 14 or 14 point something degrees Celsius or around, I can do that, 30 something degrees Fahrenheit. Okay. Life math is, <laughs> became me just it's, starting to estimate. It's an inexact <laughs> science. Oh, it's not Fahrenheit. I don't know. Here's the deal. Oh, no. It's, See, this is why I never a, even attempt it. Live math. It seems like it would just be careening for disaster. It's fine. It's fine. Anyway, a pretty slow amount of don't you got it? Oh, he's still trying. It's fine. He's still trying. I don't know. And look, I know it's it's thirty forty. It's okay. something around there Fahrenheit. Great. If you've ever cooked something and only raise the temp- room temperature of water. If you have room temperature water, mm-hmm. which is at room temperature, let's sure. say 70 degrees. Okay. And I increased it at our 
my rough estimate of 30 degrees. Mm-hmm. That is 100 degrees Fahrenheit. Mm-hmm. If you've ever been in Arizona, 100 degrees Fahrenheit is certainly hot. It is not the heat of boiling water. No. That number is 212 degrees Fahrenheit. A nice, round, even, sensible number. Yes. 212. So even over two hours, I don't know where this German got this math. They would never have gotten to 212 degrees Fahrenheit in two hours. Mm-hmm. It would have taken way longer than that. Mm-hmm. So I don't know why I tried to do math on air. Crazy. <laughs> anyway. I don't know either. It, it wouldn't it work. Risky. So that already breaks down. Okay. Here's another question. Why frogs? Why are, why are the poor frogs part of this That's misconception? What, since you t- mentioned that experiment, I've been trying to think, like, what practical applications could this have to real life? Well, so one theory, which makes some. sense as to why they chose frogs. Mm-hmm. We used to have grandchildren, great-grandchildren, Margaret. You oh, and I. yes. Tell we still listeners. do somewhere out Tell the, the loyal, like, don't be on your leggers. We um, had cockroaches, American cockroaches, as pets for a while. Um, and while they were with us, they, um, the original f- eight had six. six, had babies. And then those babies had babies. And I... I, I respect Once, all creatures, and it was a rough well, process to see all those little cockroach eggs. Oh, I, I told, they were they were in. I want to make it clear first. They were they were in a terrarium. They were not oh, just yeah, yeah, yeah. roaming our home. Although that'd been fine if they had kept to themselves. And now they're out in the wild, and yeah. we're probably great, 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 great. I have great, a great rule of thumb for you because you asked, dear listener. Sure. If your pets become a swarm. <laughs> it's time for them to leave home. <laughs> to let them if go. honestly, if anything you care for becomes, if you suddenly become a well, nice, go ahead. I have a caveat to this. Well, I was going to say a caretaker to a swarm of infants. Maybe it's just time to get some help. Sure. Get some help. I just want to, what swarms quickly... are you going to keep care of? I'm just, we released our cockroaches because we researched and found they were native to our area. You should not release, no matter what you find yourself with a swarm of. Yeah. Like people, I mean, not to get serious for a minute, but people release rabbits in our area, like pet rabbits in our area. So don't, but they didn't have a swarm of them. They should have kept it, but it could, a rabbit can easily form a swarm. That's so true. Pretty quickly. Anyway, the point is don't release pets into the wild without, without doing research first. And even then be real careful. Wildlife authorities, yep. if you're not sure. Anyway. anyway, wow. I feel like this episode is full of the most tangents we've ever gone on. Listeners, we have not talked to anyone else in so long. They, this truly can be an archive for some psychologist someday. Of so like, long. We can watch someone every cleanly every two weeks slowly lose grasp of <laughs> reality. Decline. They'll have millions of case studies around the world. Probably true. All right. So, Frogs. <laughs> Not a swarm. It has no, I don't even know how... It has nothing to do with that. Frog, our cockroach friends, mm-hmm. what did... That's where I was going. Sure. What did we give them to keep them comfortable in their little house? We gave them a cork... Um, comfortable... Stump. We gave them... Not for food. Oh. But what kept them food? comfortable in their little environment? Where did we always see them congregating? They like to be around the food, which was usually sweet potatoes. Yep. There's a certain part... They like to bury themselves... Let me under, give you a big hint. There's oh, a light always near oh, them. Oh, yeah. We always kept them warm. That's yes, right. Yes. There was right. a heat lamp. That's right. Sorry, I was going to make you guess what I'm thinking. <laughs> heat lamp. Why did they need a heat lamp? Because they are exotherms. Ah, Ex- break that so, down. Exotherm. Break that down for the dear listener. It means that they 
we, we are endotherms and that means we, we can generate our own heat. Um, we don't have to sit in the sun. Endo meaning inside. Yep. And exotherms means that you have to get your heat from external sources outside you. So endo, the heat can come from inside of us. Um, so like we eat food, we breathe oxygen, we do a thing called cellular respiration. We produce our own heat. Exotherms need to get it from somewhere outside of their body. Frogs, fish, reptiles, insects, other animals like that. Um, you like from aquariums, like if you have an indoor aquarium, some of them have a little water heater. Yep. We had a little heat lamp. Um, they need to be able, they can't regulate it inside. They need a little heat lamp. Mm-hmm. So the thinking goes, maybe frogs were chosen for this theory because they don't, th- by putting them in water, they just kind of get used to the temperature of whatever is around them. Mm-hmm. It's not true. Like that's, flawed science mm-hmm. you like a frog will not do well if you put it in the arctic it doesn't get used to it right um, much as we yeah it's yeah hard, hard so that might be where it comes from um let's bust this misconception here frog biology we talked a lot about frogs if you want last, to hear more about frogs and toads you episode should st- 33 start with episode 33 about can you touch it will it give you warts I'm going to give you a little shorter biology lesson about frog legs. What do we know? What do we commonly hear about frog legs? They're eaten. Mm-hmm. It is a, it was a food dish, a cuisine, and some parts of the world, some mm-hmm. cultures eat them. Mm-hmm. What are they very high in? What nutrient? Swamp water? Swamp water. <laughs> the world's... The 100% of your daily recommended <laughs> swamp water... They're high in protein. They're very muscly little. <laughs> that was my second appendage. thing. Swamp water and protein. <laughs> um, oh my god! <laughs> they have, <laughs> get on track. Oh, oh my god! Lord. Uh, so they're high in protein. Um, another thing that can get poached in water that is high in protein. Eggs. Eggs. What happens if you put an egg in boiling water, a cracked egg, and put it in boiling water? It gets all yummy. What happens to the whites it around? It gets cooked. Yeah. Protein in a frog legs. Oh no! Also get cooked in. But it's a way. If you imagine what happens to an egg in hot water, that could happen to a frog leg in boiling water. Which is to say, it won't work. Uh, as we also know about frog skin. Uh, oh, so I I see what you're saying. You're saying that. Right there, that is that is um, combating the myth that if you put it in boiling water right away, the frog will jump out. It, yeah. Because it can't. Oh, it, that's so depressing. It can't just jump right out. It's mm-hmm. going to start getting cooked. Mm-hmm. Also, if you've ever... J- Margaret, how high can you jump on concrete? Oh, six, seven feet. Good. <laughs> how high can you jump when you are in water? Not high. <laughs> At all. I do love bobbing in the pool. I wouldn't describe bobbing as jumping. (laughs) No, but it's the closest you can get. (laughs) That's why they're called bobbers and not jumpers. I just miss pools. I love swimming. Dear listener, what is happening? I love swimming so much. Yes, I'm glad. (laughs) So you put 
Put a frog in water, the same physics apply. They don't have a magical... No, they are better jumpers. They are better not, jumpers. There's nothing to push against. Right, exactly. The physics of water applies. Mm-hmm. Frogs cannot magically jump in water in any different way than we can. They mm-hmm. can have more surface area across their feet. They have stronger leg muscles. Still doesn't mean that they can jump out of water. Mm-hmm. If you put a frog not even in boiling water, I've rescued from my youth of going to pools mm-hmm. mini frogs from pools from pool drains from Check pool, your drains. pool drains i always that was the first thing i always did when i got into a pool i mm-hmm. took it upon myself Aww. save many a frog that way because they can't jump out of the can't. water they can't until um, a little rescuer camden comes along until little nine-year-old me shows up a little pale sunburned oh yeah <laughs> burning by the minute um so Frog legs, they'll cook in high enough temperature because they're high in protein. They can't jump out of water similar to us. So if you put them in a bowl, if that bowl lid is even slightly high or like a pot of boiling water, mm-hmm. it's not going to be able to jump out even in normal conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also a friend, Dr. Victor Hutchinson, emeritus research professor from the Department of Zoology at the University of Oklahoma. He did an experiment where he raised the water two degrees Fahrenheit per minute. Now, before anyone here gets scared, he is a professor of zoology. He knows how to keep frogs safe. At no point was he trying to see how long it would take to cook a frog. You can ask a French chef for that. What he was doing is putting them in a very, very short bowl. Okay. The whole idea is that a frog will jump. The myth is, will a frog jump out? if it is slowly increased or mm-hmm. will it jump out immediately if it's in hot water? Mm-hmm. And so that's what he did. The, he just kept it a very tiny bowl. So, so the they frog, could push against something. Yeah. And the frog, the idea is the frog will just get out when it wants. Right. Uh, he said he doesn't even know what temperature it got to. Cause he said at two degrees Fahrenheit per minute, it only lasted a couple minutes before the frog would jump out. Mm-hmm. It would get uncomfortable and leave. Yeah. As you can imagine too. Might you not notice a degree or two difference outside if you're out there? No. But at some point, Margaret, name the temperature that you'll jump out of the outside I have a really from. high heat tolerance, but I don't... Well, I have a heat, a high heat water tolerance. I really don't know, like, what's the temperature of a shower? Like well, a hot, shower? A hot tub is, like, a highest, I think that's safe, is 110. Okay, then probably 110. Yeah. If it gets above that, you're jumping out. Yeah. You know what 110 feels like. Uh-huh. Or if, like, a family gets in the jacuzzi, I'm out. I'm out. Right. Different, whole different okay. concept. <laughs> well, but thank you for sharing. You're welcome. Um, and it, it makes sense. There isn't a lot. There's no, I shouldn't even say a lot. There's no other studies about this. It wasn't worth time. You probably would take a long time to get, like, approval for this study. We just know frogs, all animals, most animals... Can sense when conditions are not good for them. Evolution has led them to the ability to often sense when something's bad Mm -hmm. for you. Um, Dr. George Zug, a curator of amphibians at the National Museum of Natural History, um, was quoted as saying, well, that's, well, that, might I say, is a bunch of um, baloney, dear listener. Ah. He did not say baloney, but... (laughs) Something a little um, he was animal. asked about it. He didn't even feel it was worth responding to. Wow. Um, so there you go. But you might, dear, don't pee on your legger. I don't like, I'm going to think about that name. We need know. it. Listeners, please write in, call in, text Leggies? in. Leggies? Mm, that sounds I don't know. worse. I don't like it either. Uh, we'll think about it. 
if you are looking or just saying you're a killjoy Camden, I want something. I love this misconception. I say this phrase all the time. It was like a pot of boiling frog and pot of boiling water. Tell you what. And you're like, what am I supposed to say now? I don't want to spread misconceptions, but I do like that phrase. Mm-hmm. Let me give you another one. Oh, great. It's like a human in a carbon monoxide leak. Oh, gosh. That really brings it closer to home. Uh-huh. We have carbon monoxide detectors because humans cannot detect when there is too much carbon monoxide until, sparing any graphic details, it is too late and you're not with us anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, so always change the batteries in your carbon monoxide detector. If it starts beeping, get out of your house. Yep. Or check real quick if it's the testing sound, but or the low battery, low battery sound. Yeah. Um, or here's another phrase: "It's like a human at a nuclear meltdown." Are you a 1920s? Well, radio I was just announcer? trying to give the. It was like, <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, little lady, I think you're a real hot shot. <laughs> <laughs> so you can get irradiated too, um, and not notice it before it's too late. Sure. So That's, you can, I hadn't thought those about are two, similar analogies. There's another, those are two analogies, like a human in carbon monoxide leak or a human in nuclear meltdown. Choose any two. <laughs> just stop saying it's like a frog in a pot of boiling water. Um, but on a serious note, we are boiling. We humans are the boiling frogs. This analogy describes us since we are often, or we are currently in a global pandemic of a different sort. The temperature is being raised on us incrementally. Mm -hmm. I know this is a hard shift, and it's a downer. It's fine. It's an important one. According to the NOAA 2019 Global Climate Summary, um, the temperature had raised at an average of 0.13 degrees Fahrenheit per decade since 1880. It is now over doubled, almost tripled that, to 0.32 degrees Fahrenheit per per decade since 1981. Mm-hmm. The Earth's temperature is increasing. Mm-hmm. We are in a pot that we have no way of getting out of the sides. The only way we can lower the temperature is by acting. Oh, Camden, that's a that's great. I please ask you to do your part. Climate change is real. It is no longer a time in our world's history, especially when we talk about a real another pandemic of the COVID-19 virus. Um, it's not worth debating the reality, like what's real, what's not. We know it's real. The science is there. It's, it's time ca- to it's take human, a- It's time cost. to take action. Same for our climate change. It's time to take action. We can no longer debate what the science is. We can debate what is the right thing to do to save the most human lives, mm-hmm. to cause this to go as back to normal as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I, if you have the resources, in addition to taking your part of going vegetarian, using less plastic, mm-hmm. uh, shopping or Buying shopping local. locally, not getting shipments, not mm-hmm. although walking min- to things when you can. You, yeah, using less uh, resources whenever you can. If you also have the ability to donate, I recommend the Coalition for Rainforest Nations. This is through Charity Navigator. Um, they partner with local governments to protect our, our world's resource of rainforest, mm-hmm. which is a huge carbon sink. Uh, you can listen to our first couple episodes to learn how carbon sinks help protect the world. Uh, the Clean Air Task Force, which reduces air pollution in the United States, and the Clean Energy Innovation Program, which promotes smart, clean energy research across the United States. 
who is one of the top two leaders of air pollution and uh, greenhouse gases in the entire world. Please don't let us be the frog. Oh, that's so good, Kim. And I, I like what you said too, because I've been thinking a lot about how for a lot of people, because I, I work in the conservation education field and how a lot of people um, don't, like they're not worried and and rightfully so they're not worried about the world or the world in 200 years they're they're trying to survive day to day like paycheck to paycheck that's a lot of people and so they don't they don't think about and they can't think about like oh gosh did I bring my reusable bag today so like you said if you have the resources it's your responsibility and I feel that too like we're privileged enough we can choose to eat a vegetarian diet we can choose to make all these changes to our lifestyle other people can't which is why People who can really need to pick up the slack for others who that's not possible for. So if you have that opportunity, if you have that privilege, then please, yeah, like you said, those are great. Those are great nonprofits, Kimmin. Nice yeah. job. Thanks. Nice job. Well, before we end each episode, we always have a short segment sharing something interesting that we have consumed. So that means that we've listened to, read, watched, something like that this week. Do you want to go first? Yeah. Um, I watched something with you a week or so ago. Uh-huh. Top Gun. Highway to the... Let's not get sued. Danger zone. No. Oh, we're getting sued. <laughs> um, I whispered it too. <laughs> um, if we're quiet, they won't hear it. Dear listener, I've never seen Top Gun before. I know. Get, Nor had I. Get it out. We'll give you a second. Nor had I. We were not born in that time period. And I know even that's not an excuse. Mm-mm. We have now righted that. We have seen Top Gun. It is a movie about <laughs> a couple pilots who the entire plot, I'm trying not to give this away. It's fine. Is <laughs> that they're in pilot school and it's a competition. Yep. And then he's like, okay with, having feelings for his professor and his professor is fine with that. Yep. Yep. Dear listener, it's got everything you want in an 80s movie. Very young Tom Cruise. Jackets. Aviators. Hair. Flying More jackets. Planes, loose Russians. blouses. <laughs> music from the 80s. The Cold War. Not a strong plot. Not a strong feminist focus. <laughs> But boy, we do sure, those planes <laughs> go flying by. We sure saw it. We sure saw that movie. Margaret, <laughs> what have you been consuming this week? Well, I've been consuming a lot of things. I won't say them all. I was going to say like all the things I've been consuming, just like in a list, but I also want to save some. So. Yeah. Um, So one of the things that I have been consuming is Sense and Sensibility by Jane Austen. I'm reading it for my... I've heard of her. Yes. I'm reading it for my book club. I've read um, some of her other works before, and I've seen the Emma Thompson movie before, but I'd never read it. It's pretty good for... I mean, like a lot of those similar novels, it's a lot of like... Oh, and I, I heard that she went to the 
the home of this person, unchaperoned, and, oh, I can't imagine what he would say if he had heard. Like, there's a lot of, like, nothing I would listen to happening. you do that for an hour. Nothing is happening, and yet it's been 300 pages, and yet somehow <laughs> I'm still pretty interested. <laughs> um, so I'd, I'd recommend it. Like, you've, you know, if you've got time, great. If you don't have time, watch the... Um, the movie with Emma Thompson, Kate Winslet, Alan Rickman, Hugh Grant, uh, Hugh Laurie, Imelda Staunton, I think. Wow, you're really naming everyone. Yeah. They're not major they characters. Are, but they are they are They're British yeah. acting royalty. Mwah. Emma Thompson is a queen. She deserves everything. Yeah. And she's fantastic. She's so good. She wrote it. She adapted yeah, she the novel. She did the screenplay. Into the screenplay, That's and she stars in it. Oh, she's amazing. Um, anyway, so Sense and Sensibility. Also, real quick mention: I've also been consuming a newspaper from my dad's hometown called the Belleville Telescope. Where is Belleville? It is in Northeast Kansas, or Central, North Central. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry, Dad. I'm sorry. Or oh, I'm sorry, Belleville I'm listeners. Sorry, Belleville listeners. Um, it's. I won't argue it. Um, so the Belleville Telescope, we recently placed an ad about this podcast in the Belleville Telescope. So if you are listening because you found us there, welcome. Please tell your friends. We're excited to have you here. I love Belleville. I don't know when I'll get to see it next, but... Whether you're on M Street N Street, L Street. I love the Boyer Museum. I love the Water Tower. I saw that they're getting it revamped. Shout out um, to the Feathered Nest. Feathered Nest. You got your the, your big players. Um, does Goose Crossing still exist? I don't know. I don't Tell remember. us, Belleville. Bellevillians? Anyway. Um, love Belleville. Welcome. Um, and yeah. Thank you all so much for listening today. If you liked this episode or any of our others, please rate us and leave a quick review on your podcast platform of choice. Um we know that written reviews and ratings help new listeners decide if they want to give us a listen. So help us out and help new listeners find us by leaving a quick positive, please, review. <laughs> you can hear more content like this from our sister wife podcast, From Ear to O, hosted by my co-host, Margaret. That's me. Um, Don't Pee on Your Leg and Other Scientific Misconceptions is a podcast produced by Two Birds, One Scone. Articles, blog posts, and more about what you can do every day to conserve our environment, as Kim had mentioned in his misconception, that can all be found at twobirdsonescone.org. Our original music is by Camillo. If you have a scientific misconception that you'd like explained or you want to provide feedback to us, where can people email Camden? They can email us at the imaginative and creative don't pee on your leg at gmail.com. Have, Have a, a great, great week. week.